0: First Corinthians chapter four, preacher, uh, asked us uh, in his absence to preach on the subject of faithfulness, the subject of faithfulness and brother, uh, Broussard this morning in Sunday school preached on God's faithfulness, um, brother Woodard tonight, I don't want to steal his thunder, but he's, uh, preaching on. Faithfulness in hardship or in difficulty and trial, and uh, this morning I'm going to be preaching uh, just on faithfulness as a Christian, as an attribute of Christian character, the um, faithfulness, commitment, um, and uh, being there as an attribute of our Christian character. So let's see what the Bible says about it. It says a lot of different things about it. Um, I have a note here: uh, preach as if you're teaching this character to Judah or Sophie. I have a couple kids. Um, so I'll preach it that way. There's a lot of you who are older than me who've learned this lesson a lot better than I have. And uh, please don't think that I'm trying to um, preach up or teach up to some of you in here that are that, are that way. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll just see what the Bible says about it and maybe be a good reminder for all of us here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2. This is an important subject may be a crucial or a critical subject because what you see, uh, verse number one, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. No, you've heard this from preacher here. Moreover, it's required among stewards that a man be found uh, entertaining uh, or that a man be found faithful. Faithful. And we all want to, our goal is to stand before Jesus Christ one day and have him say, well done, thou good. And faithful servant, it's a primary attribute. But it's starting to fall off in this world, isn't it? It is faithfulness as a char- as a trait is starting to fall by the wayside. And we've got to make sure that we shore it up and see what the Bible says about it to make sure that we don't fall uh, guilty of that in our own lives. Young people, um, it's something that you have to learn. It's not something that you're born with. It's something that you have to learn over time. So let's see what the Bible says about it. Older folks, it's something that you have to make sure that we don't let slip. Um, so let's uh, get this reminder here this morning. Brother Manning, would you open us in prayer, please, sir? Father, we're
1: grateful, Lord, this morning for your faithfulness, Lord. Amen. Thank you for helping us get to church this morning. Thank you, Lord, uh, for Jesus, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the church to come to the church house. Thank you for the body of believers. Lord, thank you for the very the semblance of church, God that we're able to be here. I thank you, Lord, for the enabling of the Holy Spirit this morning and helping our brothers uh, to preach. I thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord removing and, and just fixing the meeting, God, removing hindrances. Thank you for the the song service already, God, and, and God, you are the greatest thing that ever happened to us. I thank you for that. Thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you for the walk, the fellowship that we know, and uh, Lord, the reason, God, that we can be here this morning thank you now and I pray you'll help our brother now, Brother Sam, your preacher if you'll preach uh, God to us use the word Lord mightily and uh, may it as we pray have free course God, be with our brethren God where they're preaching this morning, our preacher uh, Brother Donovan, help them as well help those souls there uh, God to hear the word of God, open our hearts as well, I pray God it'd be a fresh field God that the seed might land right, Uh, God that it'd be a fertile place that it would have moisture God that it might be used May you be with us this morning. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus Christ's
0: name. Amen. 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 Thank you. I taught in Sunday school, how God is faithful, and we can we can look to the Lord Jesus Christ as an example of faithfulness. That song, "Great Is Thy Faithfulness," morning by morning, new mercies, new mercies we see. Amen. Uh, what does it mean to be a faithful person? That means being that we're being a loyal person. It means we're being dependable. It means we're being trustworthy. Someone someone that people can count on. That is what the Bible talks about when it's talking about being faithful. There's a verse in Proverbs that says that confidence in an unfaithful man is like a foot out of joint. And so I I want you to challenge yourself and ask yourself this morning, where are you on your faithfulness in the things that God has given you to do in your life? How are you doing in your faithfulness to these things? Now, when I think of faithfulness, I think of dogs, right? Think of a faithful dog because he's always dependable, even if you, no matter what you do to him, you come home. And you can leave him home by himself all day. He come home and he's happy to see you. He's faithful, right? There's an old joke that says a, a guy had a dog and the dog got in an accident and his tail got cut off in the accident. So they went out in the backyard and they dug a hole and they buried the tail in the backyard. And the dog went out there and dug it up and put it in his mouth and brought it to the back door of the house in his mouth. And that was pretty rough. Um, so the, 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 dad grabbed, pulled it out of his mouth and went back in the backyard, dug a deeper hole, put the tail in there. The dog went back and just, uh, dug it up one more time and came up to the back door with the tail in his mouth. And, uh, the man grabbed it and went back in the, went back in the backyard, dug an even deeper hole this time, buried it as deep as he could. And the dog yet again, uh, brought that tail, went and bit, uh, dug it up, brought the tail to the back, to the back door. And the dad looked around to his family and said, well, we know that this dog is faithful to the end. (laughs) That's the joke. That's it. There's nothing more to it than that. It is the most dad joke that I could possibly give this morning. Um, I I, I love stupid dad jokes like that, so I apologize to to everyone to get started here, but... Um, we think about a dog being faithful, and we, we think about the things that we ought to be faithful in. All of us as Christians have areas of our life that God's given us to be faithful in. And we ought to just think and challenge ourselves, how are you being faithful in your family this morning? Husbands, we need, we need husbands, we need men who are faithful to their families. The Bible says that he that provideth not for his own, even though for those of his own house, is worse than an infidel. Denied the faith is worse than an infidel, someone that doesn't have faith or faithfulness. Um, husbands, you, ought to, you, you, know, you, are, you are given the, the responsibility. We're given the responsibility of going out and providing for the family. And we're living in a day and age where the, the, the husband will uh, not do that. Will uh, sit on his rear end at home and not have a job and go for months and months and months without a job and rely on his wife or rely on his parents or somebody else to pay the bills. And w- that ought not so to be. It doesn't matter if you're laid off, if you go through a bad stretch, if you're having problems, we ought to be working. We ought to be providing for our own. We ought ought to be providing for our family. There ought to be some faithfulness in how we provide for our family. Amen? Wives, you ought to be taking care of the home. And I know that there's different roles and things today, and sometimes it requires, and a lot of times it requires people going out and having, and both people working, and that's fine. If you have both people working in the house, are you splitting up the chores at home? And uh, saying, okay, the, the wife maybe is cooking dinner and the man maybe is cleaning the house or something like that. What is it that you, that's been placed in your responsibility? Are you being faithful to that? Um, ladies, if you are, have, the, have the privilege of staying at home and taking care of home and not having to go out and work, are you taking care of the home the way you're supposed to? Are you faithful in that? Are you preparing a healthy dinner for your family? Are you keeping the house clean? Are you keeping a nice place for your kids to be able to grow up? Are you providing for them in that way? I'm talking about basic Christianity here. I'm talking about some just basic things. And young people, you've got to learn to be faithful in things that God has given you. Are you faithful in your school? You know, God has given you a gift of going to school. Are you faithful in it? Um, Are you the type of kid that brings your homework home and lets it sit on the counter while you go out and play? Or you say, I'm going to go ahead and get my homework done first. I'm going to get this stuff done. I'm going to be faithful in things that God's given me before I go out and enjoy myself and go out and play. That's... Something that you've got you to be able to learn. Are you faithful at work? Are you the type of person that people can depend on, that people can count on? You say, well, what does it mean to be faithful? You know, it's, I've got a refrigerator at home that I would not recommend to you. You know why? Because the ice maker breaks all the time. And every time it seems that you want to go in there and get some ice out of it, it's uh, it's not working. You got to dig around for it. You got to go somewhere else. Yeah, have you, any of y'all ever experienced this? And so you look at. So one of the things that you do is you go online. You're going to buy a refrigerator. You look at the reviews and you say, How is this refrigerator working for other people? Is it a, is it faithful? Is it dependable? Is it something I can depend on? And just like an appliance that you have in your home, people depend on you. People depend on you. Can they depend on you? What would the reviews be on your faithfulness if someone was putting five-star, four-star, three-star reviews on you? Would they say two-and-a-half stars every time I try to get them to do something? I can't depend on whether they're going to do it or not. Amen. 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 So, you know, the same with church. You know, we, should, we ought to be faithful to a fellowship of believers here. And I'm not saying there's not times when we get sick and when we, can't, we have to work, have to do some things like that. But are you faithful to when to what God has called you to do. If God called you to be here on Sunday morning, are you faithful to do that, or are you put it aside in order to be able to do any other thing that you want to do selfishly? Or are you faithful in your friendships? Are you the type of person that your friends can depend on? Are you the type of person that when you tell your friends you're going to do something, they can always they can depend. You know, you think about if you're in trouble and you need to call somebody to get out of trouble to get some help. Think about the person in your life that you would call. Are you the type of person that people can say, I can call them and they'll be faithful to pick up the phone and help me? They'll be faithful to do that. Are you faithful in your money? Look over at Luke chapter 16. Are you faithful in your money? I want to show you something here that the Bible says. A lot of times we say that we want spiritual blessings, right? We say we want God to bless us with joy and peace and happiness and comfort and blessings, spiritual goodness, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say, if we are faithful spiritually, if, we, you know, if God will bless us spiritually, then we will be faithful physically. But look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter 16. This is a little different take on it here. Look at Luke 16, verse number 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's money, That's just physical money, faithful in your bills, faithful in how you spend your money, faithful in your work, faithful in how you give, faithful in how you help others, faithful in your generosity, faithful in your, in, in laying aside for your family, for retirement, for, for, uh, you know, if, if something were to happen to you, man, if something were to happen to you, is your family going to be taken care of? You know, there's this, there's this misconception among Bible believers that we ought not save for retirement. That is, that's absolutely unbiblical. It's absolutely unbiblical to say, well, I'm just going to trust God and I'm just, I'm not going to save anything for retirement. Folks, you're not, you're, you're not being faithful with your money if you're not preparing for a time when you can't work anymore. There's going to come a time, maybe it'll, maybe it's when you're 80 years old or 85 years old where you just cannot go out and work anymore. Have you been faithful to lay aside money for that? Are you spending spending it all frivolously? You say, "What are you talking about, Brother Sam? Is this a is this a Bible message? Look at verse number eleven. If you, if therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That is, we we have this thing backwards. God looks at our life and says, "If you are not faithful in these physical things that don't matter, like money, just this filthy lucre, if you can't even be faithful in something small like that, how am I going to give you spiritual blessings? Why would I ever put you in charge of doing something spiritually for somebody else if you can't even handle something as carnal and as dumb as money? Amen? Amen. Amen. I have uh, somebody that I know very well who uh, has just had a very serious problem. Y'all don't, y'all don't know him. He's way, way out in a different part of the country. He's just had a serious problem in his ministry uh, because he was not faithful with his money. He didn't steal anything. He didn't do anything uh, he wasn't. It wasn't that kind of thing. He just was really irresponsible in how he handled his money personally. And as a result, he's got some serious problems in the ministry. I don't say that lightly. I say that with a heavy heart, and, and, and I, I pray to God, try to help him, try to help him get back on his feet and get back in the ministry and things. But I'll tell you what, people in the church don't trust a man in the pulpit who's not faithful in, in his money. If you found out that I had some type of serious problem where I was you know, taking money from this and taking money from that. And would you listen to me preach here today? No. What if I was preaching to you about how to, how to have the joy of the Lord it had nothing to do with money? See you see what I mean? Faithful in the small things. Right. In order to be trusted with the true riches. How are you being how is your faithfulness faithfulness in those things? Don't expect spiritual blessings without taking care of those physical things. Um, faithfulness, look over at first Corinthians chapter four. Well, actually, look over at Genesis 39. Brother Broussard uh, ended his message here with, uh, this morning with this story of Joseph. He was bouncing all around this verse. It's, it'll fit really well with what we're talking about here. Genesis chapter 39 is talking about God's faithfulness and how God was faithful to Joseph in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the trouble. Um, but look at what it says here in Genesis chapter 39. Faithfulness in 1 Corinthians... I was, I was going to quote to you or read to you 1 Corinthians 4 where we started. It says it's required among stewards that a man be found faithful. In order to understand faithfulness, we have to understand this idea of stewardship. Okay? This idea of stewardship. So let's look at this just a little bit here this morning over the next few minutes. Genesis chapter 39, verse number 5. And it came to pass from the time that he made him, him overseer in his house over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And look at what Potiphar did here. It says, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Do you see what Potiphar did with Joseph? He said, I don't even know how much money I have in the bank. Joseph knows all of that. Joseph was such a trustworthy and a dependable man with other people's. He was Joseph was a dependable steward. He was a steward of someone else's stuff. And that's what we have to be able to grasp onto today. I heard a statement a long time, 10 or 15 years ago that stuck with me. And the statement is this, you're not the owner of your life. You're the manager and you're accountable. And all of us have to come to grips with this. Young people have to come to grips with this because today's world teaches you that your life is yours. It's my life. It's my school. I can show up to school if I want to. It's my job. I can show up when I want to. I can take a personal day at the last minute and put all of my work on somebody else. I can be lazy at home and make my wife do all the work or make my husband do all the work. I can, because it's about me, me, me. Our world's getting more and more selfish, isn't it? We have to understand as Christians, we are not the owner. Your life is not your own. You're bought with a price. You're not the owner of your life. You're the manager. You're the steward of it. God has given you something. And it's not for us, it is for others. It is for the glory of God and for the ministry to, towards other people. This is, the, this is what this is the stewardship that God has given us. And you're accountable. Why is it? If, if your life was your own, why would there be a judgment seat of Christ? If your time was your own, why would you give account for it? It's because it's not our own. You're not the owner. It's God's. Everything we have, all the things that I talked about, our church, our families, our jobs, our school, our money, it's not ours. It's God's. We are just managing it like Joseph was managing Potiphar's money. We are managing this life that God has given us, these areas of responsibility that God has given us, and we are accountable for it. We are going to give an account of these things that God has given us. Um, you're given these things. You're not the owner. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. This uh, spells it out really clearly here. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, I mean, it's pretty serious in here so far, and I'm, I'm glad that it is. I, I, I hope that, it, you know, something, a, a message as simple as faithfulness, it should be a pretty simple message, right? But it's sobering, isn't it? It's sobering to understand. I, and, I'll, and please don't think I'm talking down to you. I'm trying to just put this out loud and clear for all of us to understand. We're going to give an account of what we've been given, we're going to give an account of this. And I, I want you to, to give an account with joy and not with grief. I, I don't want you to, to joy down here because you've taken the, what God has given you and used it all for yourself and lived your best life now. God helped Joel Osteen at Judgment Seat of Christ, who is telling people to live your best life now. No, no, no. I want you to live your best life there. Amen. And I want you to be accountable with what God's given us now so that you can live your best life there the, in eternity. What is your life? It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We're going to be in eternity forever and ever and ever. And our joy and our happiness in eternity will depend on how we treat the things that God has given us now. So this is a serious, it's a serious message. Look at First Peter chapter 4, verse number 10. It says, as, uh, look at verse 9, use hospitality one another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, as you have received something... Now, what is hospitality? Hospitality is when we take something that we have and give it to others. It's when we have people come in here for something, and we all we get up and we move so they can have our seat. It's when, you know, they talk about hospitality baskets, and we take money out of the bank account and put it in a hospitality basket for somebody else. It's a, it's a gift that we've been given. And then we say, we're going to use it for somebody else. Look at what the verse says here. Uh, as every man hath received the gift... We've got to understand that the things that, we've, that we have in our life, if you have a family, it is a gift of God. But it's not yours. It's not for you primarily. You get to enjoy the benefits of it. And man, it's a blessing having, having the benefits of these, this gift. It's a blessing, isn't it? But we can't turn that around and think this is just for us. It's not for us. You're the manager for others. Um, this is uh, our... our so, so, kids, you've got, a, you got school that you go to. And I'll tell you, it is, this, this is, this is going to be a, a mindset shift for you. School is a gift. Education. And education is a gift. There are older folks in here who were not able to finish high school because they had to go out and work before they, were, before they could get done with high school because their family just needed the money and they weren't able to get an education, they weren't able to go on and make as much money later in life because of that. Uh, young people, if you have an education, you have a gift. You say, it doesn't feel like a gift. <laughs> well, I'll, let me ask you a question. Do you think that your teacher gets a paycheck? They do, right? Yeah. Now, I know that you don't think that. When, when you're young, you think teachers all live at the school? And they just like, they're born, they kind of like sprout up in the school and they're just there. So when you see a teacher at Walmart, you're like, this is breaking my brain. What is going on here? You know, this is, this is not right. It's the same thing. You, y'all see, if y'all see me at Walmart, you're like, brother Sam, you're not supposed to be anywhere but in church. I don't know. What is, what is this thing here? But no, teachers are actual real people. <laughs> now, do we have any teachers in here today? A couple teachers? Yep, have some teachers. All right. Um, these people are paid. And let me, let me tell you, young people, how much have you paid for your teacher's salary? It's a gift, isn't it? That teacher is getting paid. Who are they getting paid by? Raise your hand if you pay a teacher in here. <laughs> Everyone that pays taxes, raise your hand. Because your taxes, all of our taxes go towards educating the young people. They do, we do that because as a society, we want those young people to be productive and to give back to the society. Right. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. But young people, that means that what you've been given with an education is a gift that is not just for you, but it's for the people that you live around. It's for the benefit of others. You say, why would someone pay a teacher on my behalf? Not just because they love you but because they're expect because we're all part of this this uh, this world here and our world is falling apart because uh, people are starting to act very selfishly Amen. starting to act as, as if all of this is for themselves and just looking out for number 1 looking out for themselves and not look, and not thinking about the church, you know, we don't think about the church that we're in and how our lives affect everybody in the church or the neighborhood we're in and how they affect the neighborhood, how the, the, the society that we're in and how our job and the job that we do affects the society that we're in. You see this? And we as Christians ought to be the, at the forefront of being good stewards in our church, in our family, in our society. They ought to be able to look at us and say, These, these people know how to handle this gift. Amen? There's uh, this, this, this selfishness has, it's, there's kind of a downward spiral. I was talking to a couple, I do some like retirement planning, so maybe I'm a little biased when I say you should be planning for retirement. I was talking to a couple um, about two or three weeks ago and they were telling the story about, they, they came in and one of the first things we do is we look at the total assets and what, do you, what have you saved for retirement and they kind of dropped their eyes to the floor a little bit when we started talking about their assets and they said, well, we should have a lot more than this. But we were part of a company that was wrapped up in that whole Enron thing that happened back in the early 2000s, I guess. And for those of you who don't know, this Enron thing was when a lot of people had their pensions and they had their stock options in a single company and they worked and worked and worked. And the company paid them for retirement by giving them stock options and giving them pensions and stock in that company. And the company mismanaged the pension funds and mismanaged the company. And the whole thing went away, and people lost their entire retirement as a result of it. And this couple was sitting there and they said, We lost, when we were about 50, about 45 or 50 years old, we lost all of our retirement due to company mismanagement. You see that? Those managers they got something messed up in their brain. They got put in a place of leadership and they thought to themselves that this company was for them. Maybe they rated the the company piggy bank as if it was their own money. Or maybe they were lazy in in how they did their work. Whatever it was, they were bad stewards, weren't they? And as a result, somebody else suffered for it. And that's what we've got to understand this faithfulness, this stewardship is not for us. It is for others. And others are depending on us. And others need us to be good stewards and good managers of it. And, but, but because there are companies that are doing that, been terrible to employees and terrible to their staff, uh, the employees are starting to be unfaithful to the companies. Right? Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, why should I give some, a company two weeks notice if I'm going to quit? They won't give you two weeks notice if they're going to fire you. Have you all heard that? Amen. You've heard it, haven't you? You've maybe have heard people say it themselves as they're about to walk out the door. Uh, we had a lady that quit about three weeks ago, and she got mad about something and walked out the door in the middle of a work week. We had to cancel client meetings all week. All of her work, all of our clients got were, were um, penalized for it. All of our staff had to do all of the work that she had. You see, when we hired her, when we hired that lady, we were not hiring her just to give her a paycheck. It was to serve the clients there. And yes, there's a benefit of actually getting money to do that. But she's, she's a steward of that position. You see how that selfishness is starting to unravel some things here. Am I boring you to tears or are you just thinking about this here? All right, so we, we've got to, be to, got to be thinking of this. Are, are, you, are you an employer? Um, are you good to your staff? Are you faithful? Do you just cut them at the drop of a hat because you just don't want to pay the payroll this, this, uh, this week? You find out you can save a little bit of money, so goodbye, see you later. They make a mistake and you're, you cut them off instead of having some grace with them and trying to teach them and trying to hang on to them and help them to grow. Um, you're, you see, when, when, when owners and managers, um, it doesn't matter if you are managing house or managing a, a, a crew of two people, or a crew of four people, or if you're managing an entire city, doesn't matter. It, it is not for you, it's not for you. It's for others, and you're accountable to it. Um, we uh, can't be faithful, you won't be faithful if you're there to serve yourself. Think about all these areas of life that God has given you. Are you doing these things for yourself? Wives, are you are you at, are, are you are you raising your family for your own selfish interests? Man, it's a terrible thing when mothers have gotten so selfish. They're supposed to be it's supposed to be a selfless thing. Fathers are supposed to be selfless for others, not for yourself. Now, you do get a benefit out of it. I mean, it's a blessing having a family, isn't it? I, I pulled out the, the driveway this morning, and I, I looked in my rearview mirror, and I initially got pretty upset because I saw a box sitting in the front yard. Like Judah. I know it's Judah. How in the world? All night, there's a cardboard box sitting in the front yard. I'm going, man, my neighbors think that we are you know, trashy. We got trash laying in the front yard here. And I'm about to call Tara and say, put Judah on the phone so I can get... And I pull, I back out, and I see on the box, there's a hole cut out the top of it, and spray paint on the side, it says, go-kart. <laughs> now, it's really hard for me to get mad, you need to clean that up, but it's really hard <laughs> to get very mad at, at Judah, because, you know, I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes, and Calvin and Hobbes would do, Calvin would do exactly that. You know, he'd get a, a box and say, this is not a box, this is a go-kart. And it makes, it just makes you, it's a blessing. It's a joy to be able to have kids like that. It's a joy to do that. Um, but he, he is not for my joy. She is not for my joy. Bible says that the kids not, ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the kids. You see, they are relying on me. And with this unspeakable gift that God's given me, I've got to be a good steward of this gift. This is not for me, even though Judah did say one time, I know what kids are for. They're for getting Cokes for dads. <laughs> you know, I've trained them very well. Um, but that's not that's kids aren't for you. We, we are there for them where they depend on us. Dads, are, are you dependable for your kids? Are, are you dependable for your kids? Look over at Second Timothy chapter number one. Let's look over. Uh, just another thing here. Second Timothy, chapter number one. Preachers, there's a bunch of you in here. Teachers, there's a bunch of you in here. Ministers, church members, servants, servants of God, Christians, leaders. Whatever you've been given, it's not for you selfishly, but it's to pass on to, be, to pass on to others. It's for others. Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and see where Paul says this to Timothy in verse number 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. See that? Hold fast the form of sound words. I've, I've given this to you. You've heard this of me. I've given you these words and now it's your responsibility to hold these fast. They are not for Timothy. 2 Timothy how many of y'all have gotten a blessing from reading 2 Timothy? Amen. See, it wasn't just... Now, what if, what if Timothy had gotten this book from Paul and had thought it was just for himself, lived his life for himself, kept it in his pocket, and died with it in his pocket? See, Paul said, I'm giving this to you. And then look at what he says. In verse number, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's what maybe Brother Woodard will preach about a little bit tonight, being faithful even through difficult times. And verse 2, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. The only reason that we have these words in our hands today, it's not because it came down from heaven on a typewriter. It's because a faithful man that lived right before us handed it to us. And a faithful man handed it to him, and a faithful man handed it to him. Bible says, run the race with patience. This race that we're in is a relay race. What you've been given is not for you to hoard and for you to use and for you to own and for you to enjoy and then forget about the next generation. It is for you to hold on to and be faithful with and then pass it on like a baton. Faithfully to the next generation, to these younger people. I don't want these younger people to be stuck with an NIV because we, we, we weren't faithful to the form of sound words and sound doctrine. Amen. I don't want you to say, "Will that be terrible for them to have an NIV? They'd have less of God's words there. Right. Maybe they'd have 95% of it or 90% of it or 85%. Well, that's good enough. No, it's not good enough. Amen. I don't want, as the prophet Samuel, in the Old I don't want to let any of God's words fall to the ground. God's given me this book. I want to be able to deliver it to the younger people and say, here, now you deliver it to somebody else. But when I give it to you, I'm not saying this is for you to own and live and then throw away. You need to give that to somebody else. You need to give it to somebody else. You need to give it to somebody else. It's not for you. It's for someone else. There will be younger people underneath you. You need to give It's for someone else. Do You see it? God's given us these things. and We ought to be faithful with these things. It's a serious matter. Folks, there is no miraculous passing on of God's words to every generation. The miracle comes when the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of Christians and the Christians are faithful with God's words. But there are countries all around this world that don't have God's words. And they're not magically appearing in the sky. And you say, why don't they have God's words in this country or in that country? Because Christians were not faithful to give it to them. It's that simple. And we are one generation away from the same fate right here. If our young people don't pick up the baton and pass it along. Look over at Daniel chapter number four. Daniel was someone who was found faithful. Look at verse. Look at ch- Daniel chapter four. Look at verse number thirty-two. Well, you know, we'll we'll skip. I'm going to jump right uh, right right to this here. Look at uh, let's see. Look at, uh, yes, let's look at verse number 28. All of this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? Right? Underline that word, I. It's just a type of the Antichrist. It's Satan. I will ascend, I will make my throne as the. I will, it's for me, me, me. I have built for the, for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power. Underline that word, my. And why? Why did Nebuchadnezzar think that he had built this? Why did he think that this, this kingdom was built by him? Look at, for, look, at the, look at the end of the verse. For the honor of my majesty. Look at verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it's spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And look at what he learns in uh, chapter 5, verse 21, he was driven from the sons of men, his heart was made like the beast, his dwelling was with the wild asses, and fed him with grass like oxen, his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the most high ruled, the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men. And that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. It's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And he appoints a manager. And you're accountable. You say, well, that's talking about Belshazzar. Yes, that's talking about Belshazzar. Look at uh, look at chapter 4. Look at verse number 25. They shall drive thee from men, and the dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee eat grass. They shall dwell wet with you seven times pass over thee till thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You see it? Over three different times he makes this statement. This is not your kingdom. This family is not yours. It's God's. This church is not yours. It's God's. Brother Woodard made a statement that stuck with me. I was joking around with him. I said, you know, he was over there putting the, the, The concrete in, and I said, Did you let Manning write his name in the concrete or something? He said, and he was dead serious. I was joking around, he was dead serious. He said, No, I'm not. He said, I didn't let him do that because that's not my building, put my name on. He said, That's God's building. I'm the foreman. I'm the manager. Amen. That's a good, good testimony. It's a good testimony. So how, and just in these last few minutes here, how can we be more faithful? Look over at Ephesians chapter five. How can we be more faithful? Now, I, I am very aware that the world has made us very, very busy, hasn't it? And, and I don't want, and you say, well, Brother Sam, are you telling me just, you got to do more, you've got to do more, you've got to do more, just push, you've got to more, do more, do more, do more, I, I do think I don't think a lot of us need to do more. I think a lot of us need to do less. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15, see then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This is how you walk. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I think that we need to look at our time. And what the devil will do is get us overcommitted in things that we are not called to do. Have you you gotten overcommitted in the things that God has not called you to do? And as a result, the primary things, the things that you are called to do, those primary responsibilities start to drop off because you're so busy with the things that you're not really called to do. Some of us don't need a New Year's resolution to do more. We need a New Year's resolution to quit some stuff and say, I need to take a real serious account. And it would do us some good to make a mental account. It won't take a whole sheet of paper. God only gives us a few areas of responsibility, really. To say these are the things that God has called me to do. Now, what is it that I am so busy with that is crowding these things out? Amen. You say, brother, saying you told me to do more. No, I'm saying do less of those things we're not supposed to be doing. Do less of that stuff so that you can be responsible and faithful in the things that God has given us to do. You know, we just get our lives overcomplicated, don't we? Sure. We get our. You know, we, when we moved into our house, we had a we had, we have a beagle, and uh, our. Our beagle, pray for him. He's struggling. He's got like a hip problem or something. He's, he's been through a lot. He got bit on the nose by a snake not too long ago. He's, uh, he's, he's okay, but, man, he's struggling. And he won't go out our doggy door now. But so I've been thinking about our doggy door. And when we put that doggy door in, we got one of these things that was electronic. It has like a chip, and when, you, when he comes up to it, these little things slide down, and it, it unlocks the door. And then when he, walks in it, when he leaves, it slides up and it locks the door so a raccoon can't get in the mud room. It's just, just for that dog, right? That's yeah, a good idea, right? I thought it was a good idea too. No, not a good idea. All it does, it broke in the first week. And so now if you go into my, our mud room, you'll see duct tape over those two little prongs. <laughs> Holding it down, it's just a regular old doggy door now. You know why? Because no one needs a Wi-Fi electronic enabled doggy door. Just like you don't need a Wi-Fi, electronic, you know, coffee machine, and you, don't, you got this big, thing, I got this big fancy espresso machine at the house. I was just talking to Brother, uh, to brother Eddie about it. I got this big fancy espresso machine at the house. You say, what, what, when's the last time you made coffee? It's been a month since I've made coffee on it because it's broken. You know what I make coffee in now? A coffee pot. <laughs> it's like pour the, gr- the grounds in, put it on the stove, it bubbles up into the thing, and that's my coffee. Don't overcomplicate your life. You know, we have over, we got our houses with Wi Fi lighting and this and that and everything. In my house, I've got all that stuff. None of it works. Are y'all the same way? None of it works. My front door, we, you know, used to have a hide a key. That was a good system. It was a rock, or it looked like a rock, and it had a key. And we replaced that with this fancy digital thing that we get locked out of our house all the time because it doesn't work. You know what we need? We need a rock with a key in it. And that's, that's why I've just kind of used illustration for our own lives. Have you overcomplicated things when it could be a lot simpler? You know the, God, the things that God has called you to do. Are you just being faithful to those things? I'm not here to, take, to add burden to you like Pharaoh adding you know, burden to the servants. I'm here to take that off of you and say, you know, take the things off of you that are burdening you down that are, God has not called you to do. God, God's, God, the Bible says that Jesus Christ said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus Christ carries the burden. Now I'm not saying it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you, you know, he's going he's gonna to give you something to carry, but it's not going to be too much. Sometimes we just, get, we just get overwhelmed with these things. I remember I was 25 years old and I came over here from school. I had a friend, um, Jeff Miller, really good friend of mine, still a really good friend. And I was in school and I was a young man. I had no family. I had work and I had school. And then I got married, and I had work, school, wife. And fun stuff, right? Regular stuff. Going fishing, doing all that stuff, right? And then I had, got over here, and I had work, school, wife, daughter. And then work, school, wife, daughter, friend, Jeff, ministry. Teaching a class, whatever it was, right? Right? Until finally, I got to a point where I was forgetting stuff all the time. Just, just could not keep it all together. Just doing just more and more and more every single year. Jeff Miller, a good friend, faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? Jeff Miller looked at me one day and he said, Sam, you know what your problem is? He said, you got too much on your plate. He said, you need to quit some things. And he was straight up with me. He was like, you got too much on your plate. You are being unfaithful in our friendship you missed this appointment, you didn't do this, you forgot about this, it's because you got too much on your plate. I remember that one simple statement. It was 20 years ago, I remember it. And, you know, in order for God to continue giving you things to do, it may mean that you have to stop doing other things. You see that? You may have to stop other things. I had to tell Brother Heiko this year, I can't play piano for you anymore. Oh, why, why is Brother NJ playing for Brother High Cove? Are they mad, mad at each other? No, I love him. I love playing piano for Brother High Cove. But what was happening is I was getting here to church on Sunday morning and getting pulled in so many different directions, and he needs to rehearse before, we, before he sings, but I've got a Sunday school class. And so this is getting pulled this way, and this is getting pulled that way, and I was not doing a good job at either one. I was letting him down, unfaithful to practicing with him. Coming into Sunday school late, unfaithful to them. The only solution was to call Brother Haikov and say, I love you, I'll play for you whenever I can. But there's a lot of good piano players in here besides me. A lot, a lot better piano players besides me in here. You'll, you'll see it? So I'm trying to take that pressure off, you, off of you here. How can you do this by focusing on the primary things? And then Matthew 25, we'll close with this here. Matthew 25, focus on the primary things. What is it in your life that you need to quit in order to be more faithful to the things that God has given you? In Matthew 25, verse 21, a famous verse here. Matthew 25, verse 21, the verse that I started with, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But look at the rest of the verse. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things, faithful over a few. That is, so so how can we be more faithful? By focusing on the primary things, but also by focusing on the small things. Focusing on the few things, on the little things. That is, as a Christian, you say, well, I want to be a better Christian. Hey, listen, are you reading your Bible? It's a small thing, isn't it? It's a small thing. It's the new year. I bet you a lot of you made a new year's resolution to read your Bible this year. That's a good resolution, but it's February now. So some of you probably got to about Exodus 15 and you're done. And then next year, you'll start in Genesis again and then read through to Exodus 15 and be done. If you've been saved for 20 years, you've read Genesis 20 times and none of the other Bible. Can I give you a suggestion? Go to the table of contents in your Bible. Everybody look at the table of contents in your Bible. This is just a practical suggestion. I tried Bible reading charts. I tried Bible reading plans. I tried apps. I tried reminders. I tried everything to keep me on some type of track. The Bible reading chart, that didn't work for me. Because it was like, I've got, I would miss a day and miss a day and miss a day. And then I'd look and I'd say, it's February and I'm reading January stuff. And then you end up giving up, right? Now, you know what I do? I read a book, I just read a book at a time. Just pick up, what book? I don't know, pray about it. What book should I read today, Lord? And then when I'm done with the book, I make a little check mark off on the table of contents. And then when I read again, I look and say, what have I not read? And then check that. What have I not read? Check that. Really simple, right? A small thing. A small thing. If If you're having trouble with something as simple as reading your Bible, Figure out some way to pray about it. Find a way to be able to be faithful in that small thing. And I promise you, if you are faithful in something small like reading your Bible, then you'll find out that your Christian life is greatly improved. Amen. You may be coming to church and listening to preaching and seeking out for some deep nugget of wisdom that's going to make you all of a sudden a good Christian when all you really need to do is just check off that Bible reading. Amen. Just get in there and read a little bit. Get in there and read a little bit. Just get and read. That's all you got to do. The little things, be faithful in the small things. As a father, working consistently to pay your bills, your wife will love you for it. You could be a wonderful, thunderous preacher, but if she's struggling to pay the bills because you won't work, she's not concerned about all that. As a husband, being there, listening. In your work, just being there. I remember coming here. Uh, I, Brother Wheeler was an assistant pastor to... Brother uh, Lentz for years and years and years. And I was struggling in the early years here because I was really disorganized, really just, and just struggling with being a, being a, a helper to preacher here. Just really struggling with it. And I sat down with Brother Wheeler one time. I remember it was at the Carabas right around the corner from here. I sat down at dinner with him one time and said, Brother Wheeler, I need some help. How can I be a better assistant pastor to uh, Brother Peacock? And Brother Wheeler, you all know him. He's from North Carolina. He says, well, brother. I'm waiting for the deep nugget here. I'm waiting for the, like, the, the well, God will never lay on you more than, you know what he said? He said, what I did is I got myself a Franklin Covey planner. And when Brother Lentz asked me to do something, I wrote it down. And then when I had some time, I'd look at that planner and I'd do whatever was written down. <laughs> now, pass the bread over here, brother, you know. You know what I did I got myself a planner started writing stuff down and I think if you to a preacher today you'd say he'd say yes Sam is a lot more faithful today than he was when he first got here you know you know what? it was a small thing just a small thing and and you know preacher app- appreciates that now he appreciates being able to say Sam do this and not go well it's maybe 50-50 whether it's going to get done or not if you don't see me write it down by the way it's not going to get done if you ask me to do something, say, hey, are you writing that down? <laughs> Think about it. Why do we teach the kids? Look over to Ecclesiastes 9. We'll close with this here. Why do we teach the kids the penny parade at VBS? Why do we do that? Because, is it because we need every penny? No. No. It costs more in Brother Brad's time. To, it costs more in envelopes to collect the pennies. And it does. You see that? What, what, do, what do we hope? We hope the young people get faithful in the small things. Because some, some of you didn't grow up doing that, and you struggle with giving now, struggle with being faithful with it. But man, can you imagine if your mom and dad helped you to give your pennies when you were little? How much easier would it be now? Okay. To be faithful in the small things. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Um, Brother Richard is somebody who I look up to here. He's a deacon. You know why he's a deacon? Because he's faithful in the small things. Because when you come here, the, the, uh, the, the church is open. You know why it's open? Because he got here early and opened it up. Uh, it's locked up. You know why it's locked up? Because he stayed late and locked it up. The parking lot is free of leaves and debris. You know why? Because he went out there and blew it for years and years and years and went out there and blew it off. What do we need? We need faithful. Faithful in the small things. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Rejoice, O young man, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart and the sight of thine eyes. Know thou, but know thou, that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Yes, live your life, all these things that God's given you. Enjoy. Enjoy your life, all these things, but know that you are not the owner, you're the manager and you're accountable. One of the reasons why everyone in here is confident putting money in the offering plate, and this is not just a message about money. I hope it hasn't come across as being some type of a money message. Um, Has anybody ever, ever, don't raise your hand, ever felt, hmm, I'm not sure if I give this money what's going to happen to it? You never have in this church. I'd never have felt that way. You know why? Because Brother Brad, our treasurer, is faithful with the pennies. You know how faithful he is with the, with the minutia of the treasury. So therefore, you feel confident to throw your dollars in because he's faithful with the pennies. And you know, when I throw this dollar in here, he is going to make sure that it is watched. It's not going to be wasted. It's going to be spent for the Lord's work. Because you, when you threw it in there, you didn't give it to Brother Brad. You said, you're, Brother Brad, you're not the owner of this money. You're the manager. And you're accountable. And praise God for, for a, a faithful treasurer. Amen. Or God will look at him one day and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why? Because he did some big campaign to, and worked some back deal to make millions of dollars to raise it. No, no, that's not how God has done it. He was faithful in the pennies. And then, whenever the preacher stands up and says, We need money for a building, everybody says, I got Confidence. And, and the building comes out of the ground as a result of it. So think about this, young people. Your life is not your own. You're bought at the price. You're not the owner. You're the manager. You're accountable. Can we take a moment to pray here today? We've got a few minutes. Can we take a moment, moment to pray? Think about an area of your life, maybe, where you need to say, God, I want to be more faithful in this area. And it's not just... I want to be a better dad, some huge thing, but can I be better at the small things? It's not, I want to be a better dad. No, how about, I want to spend a little bit more time with my kids listening to them each evening. I want to let them just talk to me. I want to be a, the world's greatest husband. Now, how about just be home for dinner, listen to your wife. The, the, what? I don't know, whatever the little things. Say, God, where can I where can I be more faithful in the little things? Where when we stand before God and say, he'll say to us, well done thou good and faithful servant. I can go around this room here and just see Christian after Christian who is just a tremendous example of faithfulness. I thank God for a church like this. So many faithful people in this room. I just called out a few that I love and see so many of you here, and it's a blessing. Your faithfulness is noted by the younger people that are in here. God uses it. Young people, look up to that example. Say, I want to be faithful like that. Not some spectacular show, but just faithful in the little things.